It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! <laughs> In my whole life, <laughs> I got some things to say. I'm still slowly dying, but uh. hey, we all are. Good morning, Back Row Radio. I'm Matt. I'm not Mo. I'm Hillary. <laughs> and you're streaming the Morningside Hug, a Back Row Morning Show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com. To, on today's show, 20 questions with Cypress and Company. Co? I, I'm not entirely sure if it's Co or Company. It's Co when you write it out, but do you pronounce it Company? That's a good question. And we dive into a deep topic. Five reasons pastors' kids struggle with doubt. But first, it is January 28th, and we've got a holiday to celebrate. National Lego Day. Yeah, but... This doesn't mean go step on one. This just means it's <laughs> National Lego Day. The colorful plastic bricks known as Legos have entertained children and adults around the world for nearly 70 years. Legos are used to make toy buildings, vehicles, creatures, machines, and anything imaginable. And they can be taken apart and put back together as often as you'd like. This That means... Endless creative play. Whoop, whoop. For those that are creative, I'm not. <laughs> National Lego Day celebrates these incredible, ingenious, and enriching toys. Here's a brief history of Lego. In 1932, old Kurt Christensen, a carpenter from Bilund, Bilund, I believe. Bilund Denmark, <laughs> founded the Lego company to manufacture wooden toys. Mm-hmm. In 1949... The Lego group began manufacturing the now iconic bricks using an injection mold machine it has it had recently purchased. And in 2017, wow, that was just three years ago. Three! Anyway, Lego <laughs> became the world's most powerful brand. Brand finance. <laughs> Keep reading and you'll understand why it's... Okay, sorry. Brand Finance, a business consultancy group, announced that Lego had surpassed Google, Mike. Oh, goodness. I misspelled all that. Google, Nike, Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Google, Mike, Ferrari. (laughs) And Visa to claim the top spot. It literally says Google, comma, Mike, comma, Ferrari, comma, and Visa. I'm not the like, best. Mike? At, at That's not a brand. Spell checking my my show prep. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but it's not misspelled. You just spelled the word wrong. Like you spelled a correct word. Oh man. Jeez. Oh, for goodness sakes. You're ridiculous. So Lego is one of those companies that became really famous for something that they didn't start doing until a lot later after they became a company, you know. They started making wooden toys mm-hmm. for a long time, and then they just oh well, we'll make this fun little connecting block thing, and then that became their entire identity. Same thing happened with Funko; they were making bobbleheads and junk for several several years, and then they made the Funko Pops. Pops, yeah, and now that's their brand identity, Funko Pop. Hmm. Nintendo started out making card games. Oh, I didn't literal know literal card games, Japanese card games. And then now it's everywhere. You know, the Switch. The know, Switch. I mean, the all. 64. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's 64. The other day I posted a photo of The Rock and Mankind backstage playing a Nintendo 64. Gosh. And I'm like, this this really sums up my childhood right here. Really, though? <laughs> I can remember when we got, I think we got a used Nintendo 64. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out how to, like, get the cartridge, the game cartridge to work. Like, it just wasn't working. Oh. So we tried shaking it. We tried, like, you know. Blowing into it. No, we didn't didn't do do that that. yet. We couldn't figure out what to do. So, like, the first two days we had it, we couldn't use it because we got it on, like, a Friday night. Go back to school, and I'm like, we have a Nintendo. What do we do? And they're like, everyone knows you got to blow in the cartridge (laughs) on the little little slot. (laughs) Go home, do that. Worked like a charm. (laughs) I, uh... I love the 64 so much that I eventually had a second round with the 64. Like I'd love I to just have it, one. Like, I had it. 
for several years. I got it when I was, I want to say, 11. Mm-hmm. Had it all the way up until I got an Xbox, which was, I think, five or six years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when I was, when Deidre and I had just gotten married, I bought it again. I went back and I bought a used Nintendo 64 and all the games that I loved and played through them all again. Yeah. Uh, at least one more time. Good times. Goldeneye, that was my game back then. Did you ever play Goldeneye? Nope. That was iconic. No, I did not. True nerd boys know Goldeneye 007 was the game to have on Nintendo 64. I can remember we even used, like, there would be, we'd have, like, movie day at daycare, and we'd have, like, every somebody would bring a Nintendo 64. We'd do the pod racing game, and I'd think I was oh, winning, gosh. and I'd be like, oh, I'm kicking your butt. And they're like, no, I'm top screen. And I'd look down, and my, my, <laughs> guy's spinning my in pod circles. is just kind of going in circles. <laughs> And I can't figure out what I'm doing because I'm not paying attention that's, to the right part of the screen. That's the worst thing. That happens on, yo, know, Mario Kart. Mario Kart, yeah. Because yeah. you think you're playing one screen and you're watching it. Wow, I'm better than I thought I was. Especially when it's four screens. Yeah. And you're like, am I top left or top right? You're bottom right. Oh, crap. <laughs> We're going backwards. Oh, gosh. Good that's times. funny. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it is Tuesday Good News Day. We got a bit of news for you. First up, after a woman with mental health issues hijacked and subsequently qu- crashed Raiden Jones's car, the delivery driver was suddenly going to be left without a mode of transportation to do his job. Then, suddenly, a good Samaritan stepped in to save the day. Jones, who works at Happy's Pizza in Port Huron, Michigan, says he had taken only two minutes to run some pies into a local school last week when he exited the building and found that someone had stolen his car. Meanwhile, a man named Kevin Lindke, I don't know how do you pronounce that. Lindke. Lindke? Is that what that is? Yeah, sure. Lindke? Sure. Why not? Had been driving home from work when he saw a swerving car take the wrong ramp onto a freeway. Lindke dialed 911 as he followed the car and described the situation to police dispatchers. The woman who stole the automobile eventually smashed into another vehicle before abandoning the totally wrecked car on the side of the road and took off running with Lindke in hot pursuit. After catching up to her, Lindke convinced her to stay and wait for the police. Later, when he learned that law enfor- uh, from law enforcement officials... That the car had belonged to a hard-working pizza delivery driver, he was moved to donate his minivan to the driver, Raiden, uh, rather than selling it, as he was originally planning to do. Uh, Raiden Jones said, I'm not going to lie, I about burst into tears, because who does that? It's a godsend that this man out of nowhere, who I've never met, would do this. It's mind-blowing. Fewer and fewer people are dying from cancer in the United States every year. Okay, With, fine. That beats my story. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I don't have to read any more. This is great. Um, no. With 2017 showing the largest single-year drop in cancer mortality ever reported. The cancer death rate declined by 29% from 1991. That's the year I was born. To 2017. Including a whopping 2.2% drop from 2016 to 2017. Overall, cancer death rates dropped by an average of 1.5% per year during the most recent decade of data, 2008 to 2017, continuing a trend that began in the early 1990s and resulting in a 29% drop in cancer mortality in that time. The drop translates to approximately 2.9 million fewer cancer deaths than would have occurred had the mortality rates remained at their peak. Continuing declines in cancer mortality contrasts with a stable trend. You gave me the hard one. I'm dyslexic. This is awful. You sound like a, a... A high school kid giving their report, you know. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've never read this before. Continuing declines in cancer mortality contrasts with a stable trend for all other causes of death combined, reflecting a, just kidding, reflecting a slowing decline for heart disease, stabilizing rates for cardiovascular disease. That's what, the brain, brain disease? You couldn't have just written brain disease, <laughs> jerk, That's an increasing one. trend for accidents and Alzheimer's disease. 
I have a lisp, and you made me try and say Alzheimer's. <laughs> Rude. The news comes from Cancer Statistics 2020, the latest edition of the American Cancer Society's annual report on cancer rates and trends. That was a journey. I literally hate everything about you. Why are you the way that you are? All right, and it's time for junk food news, where we bring out new and upcoming and recently spotted junk food. And uh, give our take. First up, this is also something I can have because it's keto. Taco Bell Cheddar Crisps, both in their mild sauce and fire sauce flavors. Do they have cheese in them? That, that's all it is, is cheese. <laughs> well, what you're saying is I can't have them. Right, because you're lactose intolerant. <sighs> this is the worst. He's badly lactose intolerant. Gosh. Just... No, I'm not going to go on. Pop-Tarts Brown Sugar Cinnamon Ice Cream Bars. Ew. I don't know. I think it'd be good. From Good Humor. Uh, they make good ice cream bars. And it's got what looks like like dots, like the dots ice cream. It's got what looks like that all on the outside of this popsicle-like bar. And I think that's where the brown sugar cinnamon flavor is. It looks weird, but it looks like it would be good. Hot tamales peeps. I know you'd be in favor of that right there. <laughs> if there's something she grosser hot than hot tamales, tamales it's peeps. <laughs> Literally, there's seven packages, I'm, con- I'm convinced, around the world. And people just buy them and resell them to Walmart. I, I remember um, every, every year the Vasters, my in-laws, try to do like games on Easter. Mm-hmm. And so one year, a few years ago, they did a peeps, like how many peeps you can stuff in your mouth contest. Yeah, I'd lose on I was gagging so much. They're so overly sweet and Now this year you can't because it's not keto. No, I can't do that. Oh, darn. Darn. Darn it. Can't play the game. Uh, Speaking of peeps, peeps cereal has returned with bunny and chick marshmallows. Ugh. Yeah. No thanks. It looks... Because it's like, you know, it's, 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 you know, cereal O's, you know, like, like most things. But the colors are yellow, red, and blue. I mean, but it's, they're like Play-Doh colored. They look completely artificial. They look like a toy. You're going to make me They don't look like food. I don't want them. Uh, All right, here's a Starbucks thing. (gasps) Brown butter caramel Starbucks Frappuccino. One of their bottled drinks. Oh, I don't like those. You don't like the cold bottled drinks? I don't like... See, I can do a cup of cold coffee, like if it's if it was once hot and then I forgot to drink it and then it became cold. I can choke that down, not problem. Really? Really. I absolutely can't drink that. Well, you don't like coffee in general. I like it fine. No, you don't. I just don't but, need it. Well, here's the thing. Butter, <laughs> dairy. Caramel, dairy. And then it's a frappuccino. It's caramel dairy? Caramel, yeah. It's milk and sugar and... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, butter, too, I think. Frappuccino, milk. Yeah, like that's that's right. the, the one of the main ingredients. Your life sucks. <laughs> but here's the thing. Since I've actually like said no to all forms of dairy, yeah. I feel so much better. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. But do I miss uh, mozzarella sticks? Heck yeah, I do. <laughs> like, is the stomach ache worth it? Kind of, sort of. But what are you gonna do all right well you gotta stay away from these next thing too klondike donut ice cream bars in boston cream triple chocolate and frosted strawberry flavor they're essentially a klondike bar they're square they just cut a hole out of the middle to make it look like a donut it's a square nut square nut and then then they're in those donut flavors uh okay maybe this one will will make you excited coca-cola is coming out with coca-cola and coffee beverages Hey, Matt. With a dark blend. Can I have soda? A vanilla. Can you? No. Oh, you can't have soda for other reasons. <laughs> what was it? What was the thing? The I had sleeve. That, I had the gastric sleeve. The sleeve. So they said that if you drink soda, Dang. there's a chance that your stomach might explode. All right, I reiterate Granted, Your life that, sucks. <laughs> that might have been like, like right after surgery, but I haven't had a soda since 2014. Really? So. Of any kind. Wow. I mean, I'll take like little sips of John's Dr. Pepper like every once in a while because I love Dr. Pepper. But I've never had, yeah, I have not had a soda in that many years. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could do it. You know what? I've avoided non diet sodas for 
gosh, I'm going to say it's almost been 10 years, but just none at all. I don't think I could do it. At this point, after the first two months, you really, I'm just, I was was like, oh, whatever. Really? Yeah. No soda. It's fine. Whatever. Mm, It might be worth trying. I got enough I'm trying right now. Speaking of sodas and sparkling things, Jelly Belly (laughs) flavored sparkling water is coming out. There are eight flavors, which include French vanilla, lemon lime, orange sherbet, pina colada, pink grapefruit, tangerine, very cherry, and watermelon. There's no buttered popcorn flavor. Well, then. Jelly. It's not even worth (laughs) it. Sparkling water. Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It is out. It is not replacing Diet Mountain Dew. It is a different formulation. And I know what the formulation difference is. The main one. I don't care. The main one is Diet Mountain Dew has orange juice concentrate in it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. And therefore, it technically has sugar in it, a little bit of sugar. when it's in the can, it's little enough that they don't have to put it on the nutrition. But if you get like a bottle, mm-hmm. it'll show it has like one calorie or something and one gram of sugar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the new one does not have that in it. And therefore, it truly is zero sugar. <coughs> I've had it and I love it. I find the Diet Mountain Dew far too sweet. Yeah. I is it because of the aspartame? Do they have that in there? Too I think it no? both. I think they both have sucralose or aspartame, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that was the reason. I think it was the orange juice concentrate because that diet Mountain Dew, I bought some diet Mountain Dew the other day for the first time in a long time. I couldn't, I like bought like a six pack of them. I could not finish. I threw half of them away. I'm like, I thought the first two were a fluke that maybe I just wasn't used to them. Yeah. yeah. By the third one, you should be used to it. And yeah. I just, this is sickeningly sweet. Yeah. So I threw it away, but I tried this one and it's fantastic. There's a blonde hair on my leg. That's uh, not mine. Incriminating. Uh, <laughs> Probably Megan's because she sits in this chair. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, and this is something we'll probably try on the radio show at some point. Bean Boozled has come out with a new Fiery Five uh, edition, which nice. comes with five different hot jelly beans. In order of spiciness, each box contains sriracha, jalapeno, Cayenne pepper, habanero, and Carolina Reaper beans. Uh. So. See, like, I could be okay with, like, a sriracha flavored. Because I love sriracha. Yeah. But. I've never actually had sriracha. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the fact that it's just, like, new, you know? Like, this has only been an American thing for, like, the last decade, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So the fact that it just kind of came out of nowhere and now everybody loves it really made me skeptical like it was some sort of mind control thing. Yeah. <laughs> how does everybody know and love this already? Have you been I've to never that heard of it. faux restaurant? I guess it's called faux. Uh, restaurant? Yeah. Um, on 21st? No. I never trust anything in that building. It's for it's delicious. Is it good? I, I love it. Okay. And what's great is... Um, you can get like low carb options probably with your pho. Um, but anyway, <laughs> what they do is they give you the broth, like they give you broth and all this stuff, and then they give you jalapenos and stuff to kind of put into the broth. Yeah. So we put the the sriracha and the hoisin sauce and kind of make it as spicy or as not spicy as you want. Hmm. Okay. So give it a try. Okay. It's maybe, amaze. Maybe. Maybe. I maybe. crave it all the time. Really? And I because I work right across the street. And I'm like I could just drive over. I'd be gone 10 minutes. I get it. I get to eat it. It's delicious. John doesn't have to know. But then I remember I don't have a big stomach. So, like, I can't eat all of it. And I have to take it home. Right. And then he gets mad at me. So anyway. So, was there anything on this list that uh, intrigued you? Because <laughs> most of it you can't even eat. Um. <laughs> no. No. There's nothing. You weren't impressed by any of these. No, I was not. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, I am intrigued by the Taco Bell cheddar crisps. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to try those. Um, I won't have a brown sugar cinnamon ice cream bar, but they do intrigue me. And that is my favorite Pop-Tart. Brown sugar? That flavor. Mm-hmm. Can I... When I um, <clears throat> was a lot thinner than I am now, um, I, I, I used... Whatever. Doesn't matter. John loves me. Um, <laughs> I'm fat and John loves me. It's okay. 
Please don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What I, used, what I used to do is I used to heat up a Pop-Tart, because I can only have one at a time. And then, oh my gosh, I'm going to sound so ridiculous. I would do the brown sugar cinnamon, and then I'd put honey on top of it, and... And then I'd put chocolate chips on top of it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was so good. Oh, man. That's probably why I'm not as thin as I once was. That is... That sounds so awful. Give it a try. <laughs> to me, right? I can't. Not you. I'm telling, <laughs> I'm telling the audience, Matthew. There are very few things about Family Guy that I've liked, but the Butter on a Pop-Tart song I really like. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? No. Like melt some butter on top of like a strawberry Pop-Tart. I'm lactose intolerant. I can't have butter. Yeah, but you didn't really know that all that well until recently. That's true. <laughs> anyway, it's a very catchy song, Butter on a Pop-Tart. Is I'm it better than the it. Bacon Pancake song? Bacon no. pancakes, bacon, 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 bacon pancakes. pancakes. <laughs> Take some bacon and then I put it in a pancake. <laughs> I was singing that the other day, and John goes, yeah, but you have to make the bacon first. I was like, I know that. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Raw bacon in a pancake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gross. All right. Well, coming up next, Pastor's Kids might have it worse than all of us. We'll be back at the top of the hour with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug, a Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. I just cut off Hillary. She was about to say something. She didn't know we were starting already. We're going to kick off this hour, as we always do, with five random facts. These are all about Legos, because if you remember, today is National Lego Day. Whoop, whoop. Or, yeah, in, well, whatever. <laughs> all right, so two, eight, pipped, piped, yeah, pipped. pipped. They're the pips. That's what they're called. Oh, I didn't know that. They they're... all have names? What? Anyway. Two, <laughs> the... two eight, pipped, The le- little circles are called pips. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Not that every different brick has a different name. That's Pip. That's John. That's no, Pip. I mean like, like <laughs> the ones with four dots on the top are called. No. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, I hate it here. <laughs> Two eight pipped Lego bricks can be combined twenty four different ways. The number goes up exponentially with the addition of other bricks. Only six of the same bricks can be combined in over nine million. No. Just kidding. I don't know how to read. Nine hundred million unique ways. Oh, gracious. You can't tell. I don't know how to read. <laughs> Got my glasses on today and I still don't know how to read. Bonus All right. fact. Bonus fact. Six random facts. All right. Uh, Lego is the world's largest tire manufacturer. Lego makes 400 million tires a year for its various vehicles, far outstripping. Yes. That's a weird way to say that. Anyway, any real life tire maker. And that doesn't count because they're like this big. You can't see, but I'm holding up my fingers real little. (laughs) Uh, The UK's James May built a house out of 3.3 million bricks. It contained a working toilet, shower, and bed. Mm -hmm. If stepping on a Lego hurts, (laughs) wouldn't sleeping on a Lego? I got flat pieces. I I like firm mattresses, but that's, that's a little excessive. The iconic hole in the head of a Lego minifigure is not there, as many of us suspected as kids, so you can attach the head as a bri- to a brick. It is there so children can continue to breathe in case he or she accidentally swallows it. I knew that fact. Just like uh, pen caps. Pen caps pen and caps lifesavers. Lifesavers? Yeah, the little hard candy lifesavers. They've got a hole in the middle. But that's not why that hole's there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> It's also why there's a hole in straws. Absolutely not. Yeah. All that's, holes are so you don't choke. That's why they call Every them lifesavers. That <laughs> that's why they call them lifesavers, Matt. False. The injection molds used in creating Legos have t- 
tolerances of less than two micrometers, meaning that today's Legos can fit perfectly with those from 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why would you have like retro Legos? Like those have got to be covered in germs and stuff. Gross. Sure. But bacon, I mean bacon, like. Bacon, bacon, bacon. <laughs> Sorry, it's stuck in my head now. Oh, gracious sakes. All right, PKs. Pastor's kids. We all know them. We all hate have them. mixed feelings about them. <laughs> we don't hate them. We think you're great. Christmas they're either they're either the coolest kids in the church or the worst kids in the church. There's really no middle ground. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. But uh, factsandtrends.net has an article from Barnabas Piper. Uh, that says five reasons pastors kids struggle with doubt, and this is really giving us uh, a more look into the lives of the extra stress that pastors kids basically have to live with. Oh yeah, uh, and growing up trying to figure out their own faith journey. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, so, without the setup of the article here, we're just going to dive in and see uh, what we think about these. So, number one. They have to deal with people's expectations versus Jesus's expectations. Yes. So he says, you shouldn't do that. You're the pastor's kid. It's a common refrain for many PKs. Even if it's not expressed explicitly, the sentiment is very clear. PKs are held to a different standard than our peers, their peers. This is from a PK. He's a PK. Yeah. The guy's right. So yeah. forgive me. Uh, the eyes of the church, strangers and acquaintances alike are all on them constantly. This perpetual sense of pressure to live up to arbitrary and excessive expectations is brutal emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And worst of all, can drive a wedge between a PK and Jesus as it becomes more and more difficult to differentiate between legalistic demands and what Jesus actually calls his followers to do. Mm. And see, that's, I mean, that's not just exclusive to PKs. I mean, that's all leaders in general like that who who are, are front. But I guess what makes it especially difficult is that PK didn't ask to be in front of everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Didn't ask to be uh, seen as some sort of leader or role model just because he's the son or daughter. They're the son or daughter of of, uh, a pastor. Right. So I can see that would be. And it also makes the pastors, you know, the the men and the women, the the parents, um, you know, if they say, well, your kid shouldn't be doing that. You're the pastor. It's like, well, Kids are going to be kids. Yeah. You you can't just because, you know, they were born to a pastor and his wife doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect because they were born in sin, just like everyone else was. Mm-hmm. So if you tell a normal kid, hey, don't run in the sanctuary, and then they continue to do it, and you tell a PK not to run in the sanctuary, and they do it, it's not because they're whatever. It's because they're kids. Yeah. You absolutely. shouldn't expect more. I mean... <laughs> Now, if they're like 35 and you're like, hey, Kevin, you're 35. Stop running in the church. You're a pastor's kid. And you're a pastor. Knock it off. Like, then, <laughs> then I can see that. But kids are going to be kids. Yeah. Uh, number two on this list, borrowed belief. Uh, one of the most difficult things for a PK to figure out is the difference between what he's been told to believe and what he actually believes. Mm. Uh, the inundation of sermons, Bible memory, Bible trivia, theological argument, family devotions, and dinnertime conversations about all things church and Bible related leaves a pastor's kid with an overstocked pantry and no idea how to cook or even what food he enjoys. A PK can often describe faith without having it, argue theology without believing it, and quote scripture without thinking about it. This isn't necessarily hypocrisy as much as it is confusion. It's what happens when someone is handed belief instead of discovering it. For a PK, the discovery often happens much later after much doubting and confusion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be hard, though, mm -hmm. growing up and, you know. Because it seems like there would be a very distinct difference between growing up in a Christian home and growing up in a Christian home where your parent is a pastor. Yeah. Because that's even more pressure on the family in general. Yeah. Let alone on the pastor. Yeah. And so, yeah, I absolutely understand that. Because you're expected. You're expected to be. You're expected to just have that faith. Yeah. Without it being tested. You're expected to be the leader of the youth. Mm-hmm. You're expected to be a yeah. role model for all the younger kids. All that kind of stuff. Just because yep. you're related 
to the person in charge of the building. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's got to be especially difficult when, you know, kids grow up and they become teenagers and they're like, well, this is going on and my best friend doesn't believe in Jesus and they're doing all of this and, you know, peer pressure sets in mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're thinking, well, I know these things, but do I believe these things? Yeah. Because I can know that a chair is safe to sit on. But do I believe that it's going to hold me up? Does it make sense? Right. So you have to, at some point, make that faith your own. You have to decide, yes, this is what I believe because the Bible says it. Yeah. Or I believe this because my parents say it. Because that's not faith. That's just trusting what your parents say. Mm -hmm. And at some point. It's a classroom. I mean, you're learning. (laughs) You're learning the right answers without actually believing them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. All right, number three, and this kind of goes along the same way, uh, same vein, no room for questions. When a person is new to Christianity, we expect and love their questions about faith in the Bible. It's a sign that they're growing and pursuing a deeper understanding of God. But in many church environments, the same expectation and love is not afforded to long-time Christians, especially not if they share the last name with the pastor. Mm. One of those false expectations... uh, that were mentioned uh, previously is that PKs should have answers and not questions. They should be the one people go to with questions. Which is not right. Yeah. I mean, they're kids. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Even, even if they're, you know, teenagers, they're still learning. Um, when a pastor's kid struggles with his faith and the deeper mysteries of God, where does he take his questions? As many churches, the answer is nowhere. Uh, PKs are seen as a, a threat or a failure if they ask questions. So doubt grows in the dark with no place to take it. Yeah. I mean, that would follow with all that pressure. You know, mm-hmm. your family is supposed to look perfect. You have everything together. You believe what you're supposed to believe. But I've got questions about this part of the Bible. I, I don't feel like I can talk to my dad or my mom because I'm supposed to be perfect. And my family is supposed to be perfect. Right. And they might have that pressure feeling, too, is that they don't want to misrepresent their family. Mm-hmm. They don't want anyone to think that, oh, a pastor's not even teaching his kid uh, well enough at home because he's got questions. How is he supposed to teach the church? But, yeah. You know? That's that got to be hard. Gosh. And that's, I mean, society puts too much pressure on kids anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be just added pressure on top of that. That's got to be really hard. Yep, so that brings us to number four, no room for failure. All of us fail, we sin, we disappoint people, we face the same temptations over and over again with varying results. It's uh, hard for anybody to confess and ask for help. How much more so when you're held to a higher standard, like PKs often are. When someone is watching, uh, when people would like you to uh, keep your questions to yourself, even if you don't know what you believe. This is often the atmosphere that uh, pastor's kids live in. So what do they do when they screw up? Where do they go when they're struggling with temptation or have absolutely blown it? Which nearly all of them, I would think, would at some point. A few things feed the fire of doubts like guilt and shame. And when grace is absent, those things flourish. That's a good line. But yeah, that's... that's, uh... Kids should be allowed to fail. Right. People... I mean... It's hurting me to read this article. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I can't count the amount of times last week that, you know, I could, I failed in some way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking about major things. I mean, my biggest failure in the classroom is a kid will ask me to use the restroom and I'll say, let me take attendance first and then you can. And then I take attendance and forget. Mm. (laughs) And it's not that I've forgotten the child or their need, not child, they're teenagers. But, you know, you get started with the day and you just go, go, go. Yeah. And... That's added pressure because you've got to be perfect in school. You've got to be perfect in sports if you do sports, you know, and that I can't even imagine the pressure that you would feel even if your parents didn't put that on you. Right. Your pastor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what if like Mary Owen, for example, her dad wasn't a pastor, but he wrote hymns and and Mm -hmm. Christian music and stuff like that. And. She got pregnant out of wedlock when she was like 17. She had to tell him and she was terrified. But he showed her that grace and was like, I knew and I love you anyway. We're going to get this figured out. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm going to be by your side this entire time. 
which is how kids, how parents should react, yeah. I think, to things. Absolutely. Not to say that he, you know, was okay with it. Sure. But, you Once know. Once you're that, in the situation, that, what do you do? Make it that worse? Failure, you try yeah. I mean, <laughs> the kid already feels bad enough. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't feel even worse because they came to you. Right. The last thing on this list of five reasons pastors' kids struggle with uh, or struggle with doubt, mm-hmm. um, maybe more so than others, is uh, an undefined identity. When your faith is handed to you fully formed before you are fully formed, when people expect you to be a wholly sanctified Christian before you can spell sanctified, when you know you must hide your questions and your sins in a closet, well, it's awfully hard to figure out who you truly are. So many pastors' kids define themselves by what they're expected to be. Others define themselves by what they refuse to be. And many others waffle between identities, trying to figure out what to be. Mm. A pastor's kid can describe what it means to have an identity in Christ infinitely easier than he can find his own. After all, Jesus, after all, Jesus is daddy's boss, the topic of a sermon, or the subject matter of a debate much more than he is a savior, a redeemer, or a friend. In this situation, mm-hmm. without an identity in Christ, doubts just uh, don't just abound. They overwhelm. They are a sea on which a pastor's kid is tossed to and fro because he is has no anchor in Jesus. I think that hits me because my John is technically our worship pastor. So when we eventually have kids, you know. We're going to have that attached to us. Like we're going to have, he's going to be the worship pastor's kid or she is, or they are, whatever. Um, and, you know, do I want to put that on my kid? Like, how do I avoid that mm-hmm. as the parent? Do I say, you know, this is what we believe because the Bible says it. And, you know, what do you think? But I mean, that's got to come at a point when they after you've taught them, you know, Jesus is real, you know, you kind of teach them where they're at, you know, when they're two, when they're three, when they're 17, whatever. But at some point you just have to remind them that they're human, just like we are. And at some point they've got to make the decision for themselves. Absolutely. Not necessarily at seven or eight, you know, don't put that pressure on them. Sure. You know, it's when you're ready, when you're ready and you want to make Jesus your savior, Make Jesus your savior and don't put that pressure on them that they've got to do it. And that it, I mean, cause doubt I think is an important part of faith. Absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. Because there have been times just recently where I'm like, does God even care? Does God even know what I'm going through? And I have to be reminded. Yes, he does. And I was just raised in a normal Christian home. You know, I have one, I have a mom. I didn't know my dad and I had to learn my own faith and it was just my mom and I so to be able to have to have all of that pressure would be really difficult yeah absolutely um the life of a pastor's family has a lot of unique challenges um oh yeah even even in the healthiest church uh and while pastor's kids may not struggle with like with doubts more often than a normal person, they certainly do uh, tend to struggle more alone. Oh, yeah. Like they don't really get the opportunity to address those doubts, mm-hmm. which is what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, and so it comes kind of with this deeper intensity. Uh, so they definitely, if you have a, a pastor's kid in your life, if you know of uh, children of any age uh, mm. that your pastor has, pray for them when you think about it. Uh, they need your prayers. They need your patience as well. Mm-hmm. Give them some more grace than you might think uh, they need given their or station. Or a safe place to come. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Especially if you're not a pastor and mm-hmm. you're just a regular church attendee. Like, Give them a place where they can go and mm-hmm. there's no judgment mm-hmm. for what they're Absolutely. doubting or dealing with. Absolutely. So anyway, this article came from, uh, again, factsandtrends.net. It's by Barnabas Piper. Uh, check it out. There's a, there's a little bit more to it. It's a good article. Uh, it's worth a read. Uh, coming up next, Christian indie artist Cypress and Co. answer 20 questions for us. We'll be back at the top of the hour with more of the morning side hug right here at Back Row Radio.
back to the Morning Side Hug, a back row morning show here on backrowradio.com. This next segment, we have got an interview with an indie artist that I adore. Uh, She she calls herself Cypress, the band technical name, Cypress & Co. Uh, It's a little confusing. She'll she'll explain it. Uh, But we asked her 20 questions. And uh, this was recorded earlier, so we're, we're going to cut to it. But it's, uh, it's interesting. And uh, she's got a new EP, her first EP, coming out uh, really soon. I think this Friday. Yeah, this Friday. Can we on find the her on the Spotify? You, you'll be able to find her. She has a couple singles already out, um, and they've been playing on our station for a long time uh, already, too. Uh, you'll find her on Spotify, and she'll tell you where to find the whole EP as well. Uh, but it's it's a great interview, and we're just going to click to it right now. from the Morning Side Hug and Back Row Radio. And one of the things that Back Row Radio was started for was uh, back when, when Mo and I were doing a podcast called Back Row Baptist Podcast, we had, had made it a focus to share independent Christian music. So we would always have a break in every single episode. We would have a break with uh, a song that most people had not heard, most Christians had not heard, and we wanted to spread that that music out. And as the show went on to its third year, we had amassed a, quite a big collection of independent Christian music and artists, and we had the idea, what if we could make a radio station that had a, a heavy focus on independent Christian music? So that was one of our big draws, and it still remains one of our big uh, pushes. And so you'll see that with tonight, every Tuesday night, we have an Indie Music Tuesday show from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where it's nothing but independent Christian artists. We play them in the same rotation as the uh, mainstream artists, and there's just a lot of good music out there that practically nobody is hearing. And one of those bands, one of those those artists, is Cypress and Co., which uh, I even said it there. It's it's kind of a misnomer because it's it's not a band per se. I mean, there is a band, but this is an artist, uh, and her name is Rochelle. She is joining me this morning, and we have a a, a game of twenty questions. I'm playing with her, <laughs> essentially. I've got twenty interview questions. There's not going to be you know follow ups. There's not going to be anything like that. Just straight questions. Straight answers from Rochelle, Cypress, and Co. Uh, So please welcome her, and we are going to dive into the first question, and that is, who is Rochelle? Me! I'm Rochelle, and I go by Cypress a lot because that's my stage name. And to me, a cypress tree represents strength and flourishing in, like, super extreme environments. So what is the meaning behind the name Cypress and Co. or Cypress and Company? So I represent Cypress, like I said, and the company is a collection of everyone who supports my music. So like the fans, the graphic design artists, the sponsors, everyone, that is the company. Okay. Can you share a bit about your faith journey thus far? My faith journey. It has been such a journey. I grew up in church, always knew about God. My dad was a pastor, so I was like forced to learn Bible verses, um, and I always loved God until my junior year of college, in which I was like, kind of want to do things my own way, so I'm not going to care about you anymore, Lord. Bye. And totally walked away from him, and it was the worst decision I have ever made in my life. My depression and anxiety got 10 times worse than it was before. I started cutting and turning to unhealthy coping mechanisms, and it was the absolute worst. So 
after that I was like, I actually need God. And he actually makes me a better person than I could ever possibly be without him. So I was like, hey Lord, will you have me back? And he was like, of course. And he showed me that he loved me even as I turned away from him and that he loves me and that he's with me even through my dark times and dark places. And even though loving him back hasn't taken away the depression, it hasn't been like a cure-all for my anxiety, it's like assuring to know that he's with me through those dark times. And it gives me hope because I know that it's not about me and that I'm not just living for me, but that I'm living for his purpose for me. And so there's like some comfort in that, even though it still really sucks sometimes because depression is the worst. Agreed. Thank you for that. Uh, How did you get started in music? So when I was in the womb of my mother, my parents prayed that I would be musically inclined. And ever since then, I have been doing singing, playing piano, music things. Um, I moved to Nashville in 2016, started Cypress & Co. in 2018, and now here we are. Who would you say are your musical influences? I love 21 Pilots, like, more than you could know. 21 Pilots, NF, Switchfoot, Skillet, those bands, I feel, do a really great job of reaching the, like, Christian audience, but also a secular audience, but from, like, a place of faith. And I also really love Flyleaf, Icon for Hire. Um, I, like, grew up on them. Uh, recently, as in like last year, discovered Half Alive, which is a super dope band. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on Christian radio, but I also like Billie Eilish. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll give you a pass. So when sharing your EP with us at Backward Radio, uh, the SoundCloud playlist was tagged with mental health, depression, anxiety, and similar tags. Are these issues that you've dealt with personally? I know you've already touched on depression. Yes, I have dealt with depression and anxiety off and on since I was 14, maybe 13, 13 or 14. And even though I often will just have days where I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to do life anymore, um, I have found that those symptoms aren't what make or break a person, it's what you do with them. So learning to cope with that, even though I'm not perfect at it, and there are definitely days that I'm just like, yeah, I'm just gonna like, take a nap. Um, Sometimes you just need to take a nap. But I've learned and I'm striving to utilize healthy coping mechanisms because It is something that I feel a lot of people deal with, and it's not an excuse for harming yourself or um, for not reaching your potential, but it's a challenge that we can overcome, and it's something that is just, we gotta get through it. And as I have learned to face it and deal with it, I have found that it has also empowered me to help others deal with it and face it. I actually worked in psych rehab for nine months at one point and saw the absolute like worst case scenario, like brain chemicals not working properly, mental health issues, um, but like got to work with those people and help them learn how can I manage this, how can I deal with it. So, yes, depression and anxiety is a real, real, real thing in my life. And it's what inspires a lot of my music. But as I write music, that helps me cope with it and it helps me get through it. So not only do I write music for my fans and for the people listening, but I also write it for me because that's how I process things. And it's healthy. 
Let's take a break from the serious questions and do a few rapid-fire faves. So, for the next five questions here, we're going to do one right after the other. What's your favorite meal, movie, band, TV show, and song? Go. Favorite meal, dinner at 10.30 p.m. Favorite movie, hasn't come out yet. Favorite band is this hairband right here because it hasn't broken on me yet. Favorite TV show, well, I have never been to a TV show. But I have been to Best Buy, and I think that counts. Favorite song was a song by Toby Mac featuring Jamie Grace, and yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Gracious. Okay, in your song Through Hell, which was, uh, I believe, your first single from the CP, can you expound and just what you mean by the lyrics to get to you I've got to go through hell to find your light I've got to be familiar with the dark so through hell is a reflection of my personal journey and even though I don't think that it's necessary for everyone in the world to experience hardship or really difficult things in order to know God I don't I don't think that's the case I but I do think that as we experience those things, it can help us know God in a deeper way that we would have never been able to know him in that way had we not gone through those hardships. And so it's this kind of learning to trust him in those difficult times brings you to like a new place of faith and to learning new things about who God is. And for me, that journey has also brought me to learning about myself and learning my own purpose in life, which I feel is to create music. So even though I hope that not everyone will have to go through hell to get to where they're supposed to be, I want to encourage everyone who has experienced that, that maybe this tough time, maybe this hard circumstance, is actually a huge part in your story in the world and your purpose in life. And maybe it's gonna inspire someone else someday to not give up. That's fantastic. Uh, on your EP, which song is the most meaningful to you and why? In the Dark is the most meaningful for sure. I wrote it for my older sister. Adrian, who I love a lot. And when I was growing up, I just, we didn't get along. She always picked on me and I annoyed her and it was just like the worst. But as we get older, we realized that we're sisters and we need each other. And I saw her struggling through a dark time and I really wanted to just express to her that you don't have to be happy and you don't have to be full of energy and like super fun for me to want to be in your life, but that I want to be with you in the struggle. And I want to be with you even when you feel really down. And so I wrote In the Dark for her to just be like, hey, it's okay if you're struggling. Let me be a part of this struggle with you. Let me sit with you here. Okay, and on your EP, which song was the most fun for you? Good Day is the most fun for me. It is such a hype song, and I just want to, like, jump around and dance really ridiculously every time I hear it. Um, when we recorded it, we had, like, I think four or five college kids in my friend's dorm room, and... We like we're all doing the together to make that like crowd vocal sound, and it was just a blast. And so I think about that whenever I hear it, and I think about just the joy that it brings, and the joy that it brings me, and the joy that it's gonna bring you when you listen to it, because it's a blast. Go listen to it. I do enjoy that song. We've been playing that here on Backer Radio for a couple months now. Uh, how do you come up with your lyrics? I know the process can be different for everybody. How do I come up with lyrics? That is such a tough question. Also because I'm more of a melody person. I will hear a melody far before I even like have an idea for what I want to write about. 
Um, but a lot of times the lyrics will kind of just like, this isn't a really technical answer, but they just kind of come. And it feels like I am just a conduit for the song to exist instead of creating the song from scratch. I feel like the song is like already floating around and then someday it just decides to like land on me and I just like put it out into the world. Um, and that's just like real weird, but it's how I feel. Now there are other times where I'll be like really intentional and think, oh, how can I describe this situation as a metaphor for something and like use technical lyric rhyme schemes and stuff. Uh, but more often than that, I kind of just say what I'm feeling and try to make it rhyme sometimes. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And that's kind of, it just exists. It just happens. It's like a miracle every time. Which is also why co-writing is not my best thing because it's not really super systematic the way I write. But that's besides the point. <laughs> Uh, if you could tour with any currently active Christian band, which would it be? Skillet. They are so good. Not only is their music incredible, but their live performances are just straight fire. Literally fire. Like, there are actual flames. I remember my first Skillet concert, and there were flames, and it was freaking amazing. Are we allowed to say freaking? <laughs> Uh, who else deserves a special mention for their work on this album or behind the scenes? Special mention to Autumn Johnson, who, when I first moved to Nashville, befriended me and has been supporting me ever since. Um, she does PR stuff and helps move with digital marketing and so much more. I can't even name the amount of work that she has put into this EP and has helped me bring my vision to life. So she's pretty dope. Autumn, thank you. Thank you for helping me and supporting me. You're awesome. So when will this EP be released and where can we find it? It will be released January 31st 2020. It's the last day of the first month of the new decade, and you can find it on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, other platforms that are escaping my brain right now. It's going to be lit, and I'm really excited for it. All right, and how can we find you on social media? You can find me on social media at Music. So, like, I think there's this design company called Cypress & Co. I hope they don't sue me for also using their name. I didn't realize this till after I started Cypress & Co. Um, but that's why we have the music on the end, is because we don't want you to go find them. We want you to find us. So, Cypress & Co. Music. Yeah, we play another independent Christian duo named Ink & Thread. And there are... A thousand design companies named Ink and Thread on Instagram and Facebook. It is nearly impossible to find their band pages organically. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, final question: What is the last thing you want everybody to know? And this can be anything spanning anything about yourself, about the music, about the uh, EP, anything goofy, serious. You get the last word. I love puns. I love them so much. I make puns on the daily. Um, and one time my hometown was having a pun competition and they're like, submit your puns here. Unlimited submissions. So of course I submitted 10 puns to this competition. I was like, surely if I send my top 10, at least one of them will win first place. Sadly, of all the puns that I sent in, 
I thought one would win first place, but no pun intended. Get it? No pun intended? But like, no pun in tin did win the competition? So good. And with that groaner, our interview is over. Thank you so much, Rochelle from Cypress & Co. for joining us and sharing about your upcoming EP album. It is coming out again this Friday, January 31st. It is called Shadows EP by Cypress & Co. Uh, Three of the songs have already been released as singles, and you, you can hear them right now. You can go find them on YouTube or all those other places, Spotify and whatnot. Um, but they also have been playing on Back Row Radio all the time, so you can hear it on our station as well. But the full EP comes out this Friday, so make sure you're on the lookout for it. It is going to be worth the buy, I promise you. This is going to be a big artist. I can feel it. I'm honored that uh, she spent some time with us, but (laughs) you're in on the ground floor is what I'm saying. Get this EP because Cypress & Co. is going places. And hey, you're one of the company, you know? The least you can do is have the album. You know what I'm saying? 250 feet deep in a cave I'm in construction, my escape plan is still under construction Cause I know I won't, but I don't know how to get there To be honest, I'm not afraid of the dark I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared of the people I know And the ones that I don't, and of myself I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared When the scene comes up close, I step back and I'm trapped Coming up next, we share something we love. We'll be back in just a few with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. That was my line, but I was on the phone. Sorry. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug as our show is coming to a close for today. Something I love. I would love to share with you something that I really love. I really love the Golden Girls. Let's just talk about these four fabulous women that I just... It took me quite a long time to find them, but gosh darn it, do I really love them. She has not shut up about the Golden Girls for months now. Months. (sighs) It is... Literally, I could I could probably turn anything that you say to me back to the Golden Girls because I love it that much. Um, I think in each of us, you can find a little bit of Rose, a little bit of Blanche. Maybe not because she was kind of a uh, Jezebel, if you will. Um, Dorothy, she was super sarcastic, um, which I am. And then Sophia, who is my favorite, she tells it like it is. I mean, she just, she's great. Granted, she had a stroke and... She lost that part of her brain that tells her, like, hey, don't say that. Um, which sometimes I wish I could use that as an excuse. Um, but this- Golden Girls, they're just, it. it's a show that makes you laugh. It makes you cry. And Betty White is a national treasure. That I agree with. This show premiered 16 days before I was born. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Well, and did you know that Sophie, um, Estelle Getty and B. Arthur, who play mother-daughter, were actually born, I think, in the same year? Really? Yes. So what they had to do is they had to make Estelle Getty, who played Sophia, look older. Um, She was also really short, which is probably why I love her so much. (laughs) Um, But in between season one and season two, she got a facelift because she didn't want to look actually like she was 80 or whatever because she was i think in her 60s when the show was filming um so 
The writers and the makeup crew were ticked off at Estelle Getty because she got a facelift. Oh, like, she really in real she life? She legit I got meant, a facelift. I no. thought you meant that she just didn't want to be made up to look older. No. So they gave her a facelift in the show no. to explain why she looked a little younger. No. She oh. legit got a facelift. <laughs> Between season one and season two, and they were ticked off because they were like, we're already having a hard enough time making you look old, and you go and you look 10 years younger now. What are we going to do? So they put her in this, like, super white wig and make... Wow. That's why they gave her the really big glasses to cover up mm, half of her face. Okay. Because she really... Her and B. Arthur were the same age. That's interesting. Um, but good night. Was it a great show? <laughs> Golden Palace wasn't as good. That was the spinoff without B. Arthur. Um, the Golden Palace. Yeah. Yep. It was only like a season and a half, two seasons, something like that. But I love the Golden Girls. So if you want to send me any Golden Girls memorabilia, my address is... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not telling you my address <laughs> on the radio. That yeah, only silly. one season of Golden Palace. Yeah. But 24 episodes, like a full mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Uh, weird. The Golden Palace doesn't sound like a hotel. It sounds like... A Chinese food place. It really does. <laughs> I'm getting kind of hungry, so there we go. Wow. All righty. Let's close out the show with a Bible verse for the day. Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Thank you for joining us. There is a Back Row Morning Show every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific, with an encore at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. Typically, Mo and I bring you the morning side hug most of the week. Hillary, of course, filling in this week. And Bubba and Anna bring you Church Nerds every Friday. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Back Row Radio. And you can join our laughter-inducing Facebook community, Back Row Baptist Church, by going to backrowbaptist.com. If you love what we do here at Back Row Radio, please consider partnering with us at backrowradio.com slash partner. There are several tiers with different rewards and incentives, but even just committing to donate $1 a month will get you into our private Facebook group, The Scoop, and get you our private podcast feed where you'll get every single full episode of The Morning Side Hug, and you'll get a full episode of Church Nerds a day early. Of course, we also offer the Back Row free podcast where you'll get a weekly podcast on Thursdays from the Morning Side Hug with selected clips from our shows that week. You'll get Critical Hit with Hector Murat, Murray, Marie, Mira, Mura. I never remember how to say his name. You're Murray. rude. Hector Murray. <laughs> and full episodes of Church Nerds after they air on Fridays. That's it for the show. We'll be back tomorrow. We hope you will too. Once again, I'm Matt. And I'm Hillary. Remember that Jesus loves you. Buttered popcorn, sparkling water, or we riot. And if you see us around, we'd love the side hug. Bye.